0: That's kind of how it uh, started, and it went from there to uh, dressing Rita Ora, Cara Delevingne, um, uh, Rihanna, uh, Saoirse Ronan. Welcome to Girls With Goals, I'm
1: Denise Curtin, and today I'm joined by an exceptionally talented couch. I've got fashion designer Helen Steele and her daughter Hallie Steele, who's also a model. Hello, girls. Hi. Welcome. It's great to have mother and daughter on the couch. I was only thinking recently, we never really have that, and it's fabulous. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, it's thank great. Do you. you had to travel up today? Did you? No, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Too bad. Yeah. And you're you're based in Dublin. Yeah, I go to boarding school. So. Okay. Yeah. So very 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 handy. <laughs> I think briefly to start off this whole interview, we'll just talk a bit about how you got into fashion and the kind of road that you've had up until now. Um,
0: how I got into fashion, um, I. Studied when I finished college. I actually thought I wanted to do acting, and um, my first week in theater studies um, when I finished school uh, was, I just realized that this is definitely not for me. They're all thespians, <laughs> and um, I thought, wow, these are these are not my tribe. This is not my crew. So. I then spent the year working on a portfolio and applied to NCAD three times and was rejected, and then ended up studying in a college called Burke College. And I studied um, fashion design and marketing. And then I did my degree in fashion design um, through the University of uh, uh, City and Guilds in London. Mm. Verbal diarrhea. <laughs> um, and um, when I finished college, uh, actually, it was around this area, around Clambrasil Clam Street, that there was a lot of um, manufacturers, people making uh, clothing, fashion um, clothing, and there there isn't anymore, obviously. Um, so I worked with a company called m International, and they, at the time, created some of John Roche's main line and work for a fashion designer called Michael Mortel as well. Um, so I started working kind of on the pattern cutting tables, which was great. Um, and then I kind of realized that I, it wasn't enough just to be creating clothing. Um, and so I started to work with a South African artist and then I went and studied art. But um, at the time that I was studying art, I was in a band, and I think the two kind of helped each other. Um, I was so at, at night I was wor- working in a thrash metal band, which was mental, um, and then uh, during the day I was selling my whatever I was producing, producing art-wise. Um, at the weekends, I would sell on um, Stevens Green, around Stevens Green and Marion Square. And then, um, I got married and had Hallie and her siblings. And um, I continued to work with the same South African artist. who And he helped me develop my own style. He also taught me some screen printing. And um, I knew that I'd always come back to set up my own label, but that I needed uh, something. Because the fashion industry is so vast and so huge that I needed something that would be a point of difference and that could be unique, um, a unique selling point, and that could, that I could tell a story that m- made sense. And while I was in college, um, I came across color theory and color therapy, and I thought that that was really, really interesting mm. because color was something I was always drawn to as a kid. Um, I was always in trouble in school. I have ADHD and I was always in trouble in school. Um, and I found drawing and uh, using colour as like an absolutely wonderful uh, form of escapism. And it became something that was kind of central to my being in a way, Um, and it's been with me ever since. Um, So then when the kids were old enough, um, when uh, our eldest was in secondary school, I launched my own uh, fashion label at London Fashion Week and um, before I launched the collection, uh, I was showing at an art fair in, in the Middle East, and a buyer for um, a company called Boutique One, which is like a, it's in, now in the UK, but it's a, it's similar to say Selfridges in the UK, it, but it's in the Middle East, and uh, they, uh, I had I was on a, uh, the, in the art fair at the gallery that um owned the stand that I was on, was owned by um, one of the Omani royal family. So we had to dress culturally, respectably. Um, So before I went, I created some, I screen printed some uh, silk um, with some artwork and then created some pieces. And she asked me where I got my pieces that I was wearing all week. And I explained the story, you know, that um, I'm an artist and this is, you know, what I do. And uh, she said, okay, well, would you be interested in, you know, showing me, you know, building a collection and, and showing me some of your work, which is what I did. And um, then uh, she came and bought my collection at Paris Fashion Week and uh, costume here in Ireland did, um, and 20 other stores. And that's kind of how it uh, started. And it went from there to addressing uh, Rita Ora, Cara Delevingne, um, uh, Rihanna, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and yeah. That's amazing. Like that.
2: It's It's
1: incredible to hear the story of your progression. You know, mm-hmm. it really is like, it's not like you struck fame one day. It was just such a, a, a progress of work and you yeah. know, determination and so on and so forth to get forward. When you mentioned there about the celebrities dressing Rihanna and Rita, how does uh like something like that come about?
0: Do they see your collection do you approach them? Uh no, no, it was it was, it was pure fluke. Yeah. Um my stuff was my collection at the time was being sold in a store, which is the funniest name for a store, it's called I Am A Village Bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it. And basically there was a, a stylist for Warner Brothers Music and um, her name was Kimmy O'Neill. I actually think she works for Love Magazine now. And um, she spotted my stuff and got in touch and said, look, um, Jessie J has broken her ankle and uh, your stuff seems kind of, you know, you, she can get that over her boot um, or over her plaster. Um, would you be interested in, you know, creating some pieces? She's got to do a tour in Australia um, and she has some other appearances to do, but she wants something kind of edgy. But, you know, at the time I was doing the oversized t-shirts and kind of leggings and so I ended up doing suits. Uh, which was kind of interesting because it's kind of like sportswear. So, yeah. and she, I had to work with her body as well and make sure that it was comfortable that she didn't feel it when she was on. So, that was an interesting experience. But then uh, the same stylist was dressing Rita Ora, and Rita Ora was friendly with Cara Delevingne, and that kind of all spiraled off. And like then, like the a domino
1: effect like almost, a, yeah, yeah,
0: like a domino effect. And then, um. Uh, there's a stylist here called Grace Moore and uh, she introduced my clothing to Saoirse Ronan and, and then I got to with her as well, which was incredible. Absolutely, yeah. I think she's just an amazing actress. Yeah, I
1: met her earlier this year before yeah. Mary Queen of Scots and like that. Oh, yeah. I was just enthralled by her. I was like, wow, she's so fabulous. She yeah, is. So fabulous. Yeah. But that's incredible that those opportunities arise like that. I suppose you'd wake up one day and you don't know what could be thrown at you or you don't know what.
0: Oh, if, you never yeah. know. It's like, um, I remember uh, when... Um, Oh, Cara Delavine was at last Brie. I had oh no God. idea to remember Yeah, that? we were in the car and mum like, looked at her phone. She's like, oh my God.
3: And she started speeding down the road because she was so excited. Me and my sister were in the car, like holding on, being like, calm down, please. We're both in the car. Like, it's okay.
0: Yeah, um, and I had to so hand cool. the phone over to Hallie and yeah. say, okay, so uh, what do I do now? And she was getting on my um, emails and there was... Uh, where were we? we were dropping you guys to uh, the National School of Performing Arts. Oh, yeah. and we were driving down the road and um, there, it, there was basically, I hadn't looked at my emails because Saturday morning, kids yeah. are small, yeah. you know, you kind of have to be rigid when the kids are small with your time. And, um, and Hadley goes, Mom, there's like 300 emails here. And uh, they're not from the normal people. <laughs> like these look different. Yeah. Look different, and it was all requests for this jacket that uh, Cara Delevingne was wearing at Glastonbury that I had no idea she was even going to be wearing it. So that's
1: um, just like I like I'm getting like butterflies thinking of that kind of moment like they're funny. those kind of things that you just can't predict you know. No. Like when you're away doing your own work you don't know who's looking at your stuff on Instagram or who's spotting it on someone else. Yeah. It's just it's yeah.
0: wild. Yeah. It's absolutely wild. That's that's the good thing about Instagram is that um, for a small designer you can you can get directly in touch with people you know you can if, if you're savvy enough, you can navigate the system that, you know, you can get in touch directly with stylists and people like that. Um, that's really handy. That's really, really good. And then there's the other side that's not so good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. Yeah. But um, Hallie, for you growing up with your mom as a fashion designer, what was that like? It must have been incredible. It was amazing. It was so fun. Like, she'd always have
3: something to do, like shoots or something, and i just beg to miss school and like go and shoots because it was so fun because I was young like I was six and everyone was like so like uh the makeup artist would always like let me like help out and it was just so fun it was like so cool like watching
0: that and everything. But Hallie was a great worker you were like Hallie would just get tucked in like um all the shoots and what can I do
3: Um, I was just like an intention seeker like I just (laughs) wanted like the model would be working I'd be like maybe if I could step in, maybe with a <laughs> plain mask that would like really bring something to the shoot. And I was like, sit
0: down, like, go away. Finding
1: any way to get involved. Yeah. Do you think you knew back then that your mom had like not the norm job? Um, I don't know.
3: I
0: think, I didn't really think about, like, I don't know. Yeah. I well, mean. Well, maybe the time that I got you guys to, Dress up with the ski masks and oh, smash up yeah. the car. That was kind
3: yeah. of... Yeah, I <laughs> remember I it was something. like for one of her videos and I went into school the next day and I was like, yeah, I just kind of chilled at home, did this. And they were like, what? <laughs> we not- just played football. Like, what are you doing at home? And I was like, oh, yeah. I thought this was normal. Okay. <laughs> we
0: went to GAA practice yeah. and this is, this is how it happened. Yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah, but Halle used to go to running practice and Nick like, um, uh, would take like high heel shoes or <laughs> my, um, you know, uh, say my good trainers or like w- high heel trainers or something like that with her the to yeah. like yeah. running practice
3: and i would go in and i'd be like look at these shoes maybe like you can't run in that what are you
1: doing you were yeah. you were bringing the
0: fashion yeah. you know this <laughs> is it, the glamour yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then i suppose how did your involvement in your mom's campaigns come about was it just a case of like you were on the set so often that when you got a bit older you're like i want to get involved in this
3: um, I think it's from like a lot of pasturing yeah. because I really, um, I always wanted to do something creative and everything. <clears throat> and I was saying, I always loved the shoots and I'd always say, oh, maybe if I get in a shot. But then I, it started when the plus size um, modeling like grew, I realized I could do it. So then I kept asking my mom, I was like, let me do a shoot, let me do a shoot. And then I think she just got sick of it and was like,
0: fine. <laughs> well, actually, as well, before Hallie was, did a shoot with me, um, She, I think you'd done one shoot mm-hmm. f- with Barbara Parr for the oh, weekend, yeah. And then um, th- Hallie was 16 that summer, and she was like, you know, I, I need to get a, a summer job. And I said, like, yeah, you really do. So we'd given her a certain amount of time. To find a job so she told me like on a Friday she goes oh by the way I have a job interview in Dublin on Monday morning can you come with me and I said well that's a bit of a strange job and how are you gonna get to and from Dublin every every day of the week and she was there oh we'll work it somehow you're down there a lot with work and um, and I said well why do I have to be in you know in the job interview it's a bit odd and she'd basically gone to a couple of agencies, and she went to not another, and that's what the job interview was for. So um, she started. You you started working with them, and then mm-hmm. um, Hallie turned around to me and she goes, "Now I think it's it's time I can get us." Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well,
1: that's I love how you went about that. I love the way you got the contract, and then you went to your mom, being like, "Now I need to be in your show." Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Totally, absolutely, totally all all her own doing. And um, and in fact, Hallie really opened my eyes to the plus size market um, and showed me like Ashley Graham. And I think she was a big influence for you. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. And was that something that you hadn't really seen much of yourself as well? Because I knew you said that you, so- you started to see the plus size industry grow and you're like, I want to get involved in that. Yeah. Was it the same from you from a fashion angle? Did you not see much of
0: it or? Um I I personally uh I suppose the first time I did London Fashion Week I was kind of appalled by how thin mm. all the models were. Um I just thought it was it was wrong. Um and uh I I really thought that some models in particular weren't they're, they're all such beautiful girls. It's such an awful system, you know, that um but i just thought it wasn't relative to that i couldn't identify and i'm sure most people couldn't identify with some of the models they're just so thin and i didn't feel that it was a proper representation of to my customers as to what clothing was going to look like on them and um but I think Hallie definitely for me was, was the driving force. She really opened my eyes to how it just, it, it, it made absolute sense. Uh, but at the same time, it wasn't being provided for here in Ireland. Um, it was certainly changing in England and in the States, but, um, and Ireland is so small that yeah. it, it, so it was something that I, I really felt important that was really important uh, because a lot of a lot of the stuff that I produce is the clothing that I produce is for all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I didn't want to be kind of leaving any customers out. And then I always saw the frustration, um, you know, with Hallie and also with me. I've been like all shapes and sizes. Um, that the frustration that it that you know you feel going into a store and. Um, something is really gorgeous and you put it on and it just doesn't fit and it says it's a size 12. But realistically, maybe it's like a size 12 in, in China, but it's not here in yeah. Northern Europe or our body forms and shapes are different. So yeah. um,
1: it's quite baffling even when you think back maybe 10 years ago that plus size models weren't even so much of a thing, especially not here in Ireland. Yeah. And even when you look at campaigns and posters that you see outside shop fronts that they didn't include a difference in size yeah. you know it's mm-hmm. like it's one of those things now that when you look at it like you know in 2019 you think geez that's wild that that wasn't there you know and like yeah. obviously it's only more inclusive it's getting but not another agency seems fantastic for that i always see them promoting yeah. such u- uniqueness on their instagram and things like that what's it like working in the modeling industry in ireland it's
3: it's actually i love my agency like they're so supportive and they're so diverse it's really nice mm-hmm. but um i feel like the plus size market in Ireland is quite small. I mean, it's getting there, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, I, it's like a plus whenever I see another plus size model in another campaign, like it's a plus for me, you know, but um, I wish it could get better. Cause when growing up, like I'd see, you know, like Kate Moss or something, you know, and I'd just be like, that's not me. So it just was quite hard. You know
1: yeah it's just like unattainable images and you're like yeah. oh, I want something that appeals to everyone and you know if i'm looking at a t-shirt i want to see it on eight different sizes so that yeah. i know yeah. like which one i am or i can at least kind of like see myself as one of them so that's that's definitely something yeah. and when we're talking about like attainability and stuff like that your collection with Duns, we yeah. must obviously talk about it how
0: did this come about um i came about originally um myself a uh, my because I was working in Dublin so much, I'd stay with my sister, mm-hmm. and um, so in the mornings I would walk to her kids to school with her, and I'd jump on the Lewis and um, and every morning like all the moms were all like wearing like leggings and puff jackets or raincoats or t-shirts hoodies. And myself and my sister were walking along the road and we are both wearing leggings and I was saying, where are your leggings from? And she said, Dunn's. And I said, oh, she's so mine, so mine. And um, she goes, yeah, but mine are six years older, six years old. And um, I was thinking to myself, Jesus, I think mine are about that, if not more. Um, and that, that was one thing that really struck with me, was creating something that actually lasts and that's not disposable but that, again, it fits all shapes and sizes. Um, and I think for athleisure and sportswear, that should be a definite, mm-hmm. that it's for all shapes and sizes, and that all shapes and sizes can wear a crop top if they want, that they can wear leggings um, that are comfortable, that don't feel like a corset, um, and, so um, I I think I did an interview and I mentioned that Duns were doing an awful lot for um, for Irish uh, creatives and Irish designers and then we we kind of got in touch and um, yeah with and things just kind of started going from there uh, they're an incredible company to work with. Uh, they're totally behind uh, positive new ideas um, and yeah, I'm delighted to work with such a brilliant company.
1: Yeah, because the one thing that I really noticed was that the at Leisure, it, it's so colourful. And yeah. that's something that I think we often miss in sports where, you know, it's block colours if it does have a colour yeah. or it's black. Yeah. Well, there's, this really brings fun into yeah. the collection. Yeah. Is that something you wanted to continue from your more high-end collection to bring it into Duns too?
0: Uh, definitely, mm-hmm. yeah, to bring that kind of sense of fun and colour and just joy. And um, sometimes I think we we lose that kind of inner child that is inside us that, you know, loves to get up first thing in the morning and just throw anything colourful on them and walk down into the world. But um, it's just to kind of give that little inner child a, a kind of burst of energy You know, no matter what age you are or where you are, you know, if you're driving a tractor or Mm -hmm. if you're walking your kids to school or if you're, you know, running a track that you have that little sense of energy and part of you that is going to give you a little burst of energy and colour in your day. Absolutely. And
1: I think the great thing about it as well is I feel like sportswear is really having a moment at the moment. Like I know it's always been there, but now we're seeing people. Team joggers with, like, a crop top and wear it out. As, yes. And I was like, I love how comfort is becoming key because yeah. although, like, we should always be, you know, like, focusing on comfort, it's now been seen as stylish, which yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, I like I wear joggers to work sometimes and I'm like, if I, like, do my hair and makeup nice, at least I don't look hungover,
0: you know? Yeah. <laughs> this is like... Well, this and is and you're comfortable. Yeah. But that's the thing. Clothing should be, you know, you, c- you should be able to wear, you know, different parts of mm-hmm. athleisure in your you know day-to-day wardrobe yeah absolutely it shouldn't you should be able to mix it up it shouldn't be you know one part for you know oh this must be for sportswear only it should your wardrobe should be versatile definitely and in fact Hallie kind of inspires me to I look at what she wears and what her friends wear as well and kind of try to bring that into uh what I do as as well as what I think I would like to see myself in in sportswear and then Um, On our team we have a woman who does triathlons and marathons So she road tests everything which is good.
1: Yeah, which that's amazing then because you're getting so many different opinions. Yeah, so many different styles You're incorporating so many different people on board that you're like the collection's gonna be only stellar You know because we have so many people on board. I know you're very involved in sustainability as well What does sustainable fashion mean to you?
3: Um, It means (laughs) I know, it's It's, such a hard question. Yeah, Um, I just think it's a massive, it's so important because, and it's only really become, like I don't know how to put it, I only kind of figured out the massive effect fashion actually has Mm -hmm. last year when other people, like it was becoming more of a conversation with me and my friends and I realised how bad, like, Fast fashion actually is and it just kind of blew my mind a bit and I feel like other people should know. Because I was talking to another one of my friends um, back home and she was like, well, what is fast fashion? And that just was kind of like scary for me. So I just want to kind of put the word out there, I know it's already out there, but like for my friends and everything, because like it is such a massive problem.
1: Yeah. And I think it's a buzzword at the moment for all the right reasons. Yeah. And the more people that speak about it, obviously, the more of an effect that we can have, you know. Holly
0: well, mm-hmm. has kind of educated me a bit, especially with, um, you know, just the care of your clothes, um, you know that it, you don't have to aggressively wash your clothes, um, and that's that's something I would have learnt over the years is you know to care. I came from an age that you know everything was cared for properly, that you looked at your care labels, that you didn't wash the bejesus out of everything at like. 80 or 90 degrees that you know everything is if something is if there's a hole or a button missing you mend it and mm-hmm. um, but what Hallie has educated me to is like proper detergents uh, that are eco-friendly but not actually to just look at if they're genuinely eco-friendly is to look at the ingredients on the back yeah. um and also Hallie takes me thrift shopping um mm-hmm. and it really like it's it's fantastic. And uh, uh, that's what we did in college. And it's really good to see that happening again, <laughs> that everyone's not that there isn't this massive um, label consciousness, yeah. that it's more and um, it's more ethical, yeah. um, which is. But even growing up, like we were always quite
3: sustainable. All of the clothes that I would my sister would wear, it would be brought down to me. And even you know when you're like going out to the like underage discos, and you're like, I need a new outfit every time I go out. Mom would be like, No, you don't. So I'd swap with my friends. Well, my friends were always like smaller sizes than me so my like boobs would be like bulging out and I'd be like I look amazing so <laughs> yeah. that was always a plus for that yeah mm-hmm.
1: but that's not what I want to hear yeah. <laughs> you're like wow I okay, yeah. should have bought you new clothes <laughs> yeah. no but that's what's great to hear and like I even think when I go thrift shopping as well and even it's the same with my friends there's almost some like joy out of finding a piece that you're like I found this it wasn't just on a rail like yeah. it's like finding treasure or something like yeah. that so mm-hmm. it's great to see that kind of buzz amongst people and even like swapping different things and you know like that it's great to see your stuff on someone else too once you've gotten wear out of it because you're like oh my god yes a new lease of life for it it's 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 absolutely fantastic it really really
0: is especially the menswear in the thrift shops oh yeah it's yeah you go down to dublin vintage company and you're rooting through sorry yeah factory (laughs) factory, (laughs) um and you're rooting through the the menswear it's just there's it's a minefield of amazing like old sports jackets and t-shirts and it's really good. Yeah,
1: it's that kind of like sports look stuff as well that you can yeah. pick up. And I even find like, I love buying jumpers in men's sizes, wearing them oversized. I'm yeah. like, that's literally just like the kind of gear I love to live in. Like yeah. it's just the comfort as always. But anyway, now we're going to take a quick break. Earlier today, Niamh Mar caught up with Sophie Benoit. Sophie is the brains behind Designers in the City, a non-profit project that aims to promote local, sustainable and ethical designers in Ireland. We'll be right back with more with Helen and Barry.
4: I'm joined now by Sophie Benoit. Sophie you are the brains behind designers in the city so welcome first of all thank you so thank excited you for me. no of course delighted to have you on so tell us a little bit about the project mm-hmm. and a little bit about the idea for it originally.
2: Well the idea came from um, when I watched a documentary that is on Netflix, yeah. The True Coast. Like everyone saw that documentary, but it's life-changing. Mm-hmm. And I stopped um, buying the same products, like the same clothes and everything. I try to purchase things that were secondhand or made by designers. Yeah. And it was a real struggle. Like I couldn't find anything anywhere. I had to spend like 2 hours googling to find where the products have been made. Yeah. Whether like, what was the story about? And I was well, like, maybe it would be cool if we could have like a place, uh, like a market where we could find those designers. So I moved back to France and I decided to start up a year ago.
4: I was noticing that it's not exactly an Irish accent. So you are from France, whereabouts in France? Yeah, home? I'm from Lille. OK, so I mean, in comparison to Ireland, because I, I feel like the sustainable fashion industry is really um, it's having a moment. Like lots of people are a lot more conscious about their consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like in France in comparison? Are are they way ahead of us, or or what's it, What's the comparison like?
2: Yeah, they are. I think they oh,
4: are
2: <laughs> <laughs> classic. Uh, yeah, uh, there is lots. Okay. Tones of markets like this. Yeah. Uh, lots of shops where there is no plastic bags anymore. Like you can just buy things in bulk. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really big subject in France, and everyone is trying to. Yeah, I'd be more conscious. Yeah. Conscious about what they what are buying and yeah, um yeah, it's a real economy there. I do feel like you kind of touched on something there that's that's interesting in that
4: it is difficult, I think, for people to find sustainable fashion. And I don't think it's for lack of trying. I think that people are really Uh, interested in being more conscious of their consumption. But we see a lot of influencers going to these charity shops and getting the most amazing designer things. And I mean, is that one of the reasons why you thought a marketplace might be a better situation for people to actually be able to go? Because it's the whole shopping thing as well. Like you can want to go and find something that's better economically and better for the environment as well. But but it can be hard to, to find it.
2: It's super hard. Yeah. yeah, people are trying, they do try, but it's not that easy. You know, when they, when you need something, uh, it's easier to go to Peonies and buy what's in it than trying to find something that is sustainable, ethic, ethically produced and yeah. that kind of stuff. So people are really trying and it's not easy. Mm. And having like a marketplace would be a better way to give them alternatives. Being like, okay, you don't have to uh, go to the big retailer mm. because there is something else and it's easy to find and you can meet the designers, you can talk to them. like, yeah. And then it I'm encouraged to have like that um, behavior for a long time. Yeah, I mean I saw in
4: one of the kind of um, descriptions of designers in the city it was saying that fast fashion is, is so 2012 <laughs> um, and I kind of love that as well but when you say that you watched the documentary mm-hmm. um, the true cost and that kind of got you thinking about it more when you were growing up mm-hmm. was was fast fashion kind of the way that you went or, or were you always slightly more conscious of of the clothes that you were putting on your back and where they came from?
2: No I was Deep into fast fashion. Okay. Uh, three years ago, like deep into, I was going to H&M every time, like yeah. every week. I had like two new items that I didn't like. It's just like, I know to keep busy. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have anything to do, so I was like, oh, let's go to the mall. Mm. Uh, I thought that it would make me happier or that I needed those stuff, but I don't. Yeah. Um, no, it's really when I realized what was behind uh, that industry. It's a disaster. Like it's the second industry, uh, the more polluting, mm. just um, after transport. Yeah. So it's really, really bad. And it, there's lots of things involved, like the people that are making the clothes, the logistic behind it. Yeah. It's. Yeah. And I mean, you said as well that you know
4: consumers are actually not being told the whole truth from retailers mm. as well. So that, like you said. Um, It could be working practices or it could be about the the process when it comes to the fabrics that they use and stuff. So as opposed to, because I don't think True Cost is on Netflix anymore. I think they've actually taken it off. Did they? Yeah, I went looking for it yesterday. Now, I don't know, it could just be um, a glitch. Maybe I looked for the wrong thing, but I couldn't find it. But, you know, what do you think needs to happen to, to educate people more? Because everybody knows sustainable fashion. That word is kind of thrown around there all the time. But, I mean, you know, I... I don't think that consumers actually know what it is that they're purchasing when they go in and purchase fast fashion and how much that decision is actually contributing to the state of the world, really.
2: Yeah, well, I think we have to do two things at the same time. Mm. Uh, educate people, especially the youngest one that buying things do like it does have a cost, yeah. and it's just not five euros. It's like a dress cannot be less expensive than a pumpkin spice latte in Starbucks. Like that's a fair point. Yeah, it's yeah. just so weird. Yeah, it's too good to be true, and most of the time when it's too good to be true, it's that it is. Yeah. just that. And yeah, doing that and then f- like forbidding the retailer mm. to produce the thing because we can't just say people to people just don't buy it if yeah. they can buy it. They shouldn't produce that much, so we should tackle this problem as well from the production side. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because Designers in the City
4: is obviously getting designers together Mm -hmm. as well, Um, but I suppose, for designers, mm. it's kind of a tough thing too, because we're trying to almost educate the people to invest more into their pieces, because for a variety of reasons of which you've mentioned already. Um, but at the same time, like it's, it's costly for designers too, especially when people haven't adapted fully to the idea that fast fashion is, is not the way to go. So mm-hmm. I mean, are you encountering when you're dealing with designers that they're struggling a little bit to kind of get People to invest in better quality products.
2: They do at the beginning, mm-hmm. but that's again because people don't fully understand at the beginning. Yeah. But when you have that kind of market and people can talk to the to the designer and be like, okay, why is it fifty euros when I can find the same thing in peonies for ten euros? Yeah. And they will be like, that's because that's a production process. Like it comes from my mind. It takes yeah. like two months to design it. It's handmade, so it takes time. And the fabric is like sustainable, so it's worth the price. And when people can understand why, yeah, they're ready to invest more. It's also like what you were
4: saying earlier about kind of going to the mall and, you know, shopping can be something that people guess great enjoyment out of. Yeah. But now there's so many different variants of that. So there's online shopping, which you know you don't actually have to leave your house and yeah. you can just be sitting there going, click, 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 not knowing what's going into your cart. Um, and then going into shops, which actually I've always hated because dressing rooms in general just give me oh, so much anxiety. Oh, yeah. The lighting in them are just brutal. Like you can F off with your lighting in dressing rooms. I'm like, that's ridiculous. But yeah. in terms of like, The experience of going and like that speaking to the people who are actually making those clothes Mm -hmm. that must be incredibly enjoyable for people too
2: it is yeah like it's understanding that it's a unique piece that someone like thought about it for a long time that you're Mm -hmm. wearing something that you actually like that's actually meaningful rather than Something that has been stolen by like from a designer. Yeah Um,
4: So you started this a year ago and you've held events so far. So how have they been going? What has the Reaction been and like how many people are attending these events? And I mean, it's going really well, obviously but tell us a little bit about How you're finding it and were you nervous before you started this about even people
2: turning up Oh god, yes, That's, that gives me so much anxiety because it's free. Yeah. So you can't really predict the turnout. Mm-hmm. Um the first one was in a basement so it wasn't the best idea. Okay. Uh, so I'm never going to do that again. In a basement in um, like you a- know the sheltered um, drugstore? Oh yes, so yeah, so it was like a basement. Oh. But because I didn't have the budget to put like big posters and do like huge advertising, people yeah. didn't know right because like the place looked empty okay um but yeah um it went really well because even if like at the beginning like the first one the turnout wasn't really great Mm -hmm. but the designers between each other they were networking so it's still like it's still great because they yeah. can create a community between each other, Definitely. and they were buying stuff like from each other. Yeah, oh that's so yeah, cool. That was, yeah, that's so cute. Oh yeah. like yeah, I did sell something, but I think I spent everything in that store. <laughs> 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 Good. Yeah. Um, the last one was at the Burner Show. Yeah. And yeah, the turnout was great. The afternoon was lovely, sunny weather in Dublin. That's what you want. Yeah, I got yeah. lucky. And there was a discussion panel as well about sustainability and why we should pay a little bit more attention to it.
4: Yeah. So. So yeah. it's it's kind of growing and you're developing it as you go. So where do you want designers in the city to go? Because. I mean, obviously it's a it's an event and it's a, a market for people mm-hmm. to go to. Um, I think the panel discussion element of it is is really interesting. And I think that would be something that would really get people excited mm-hmm. to go to it as well. But do you see it in the future as being something that you would want every single week? Because I know that for me, I do struggle a little bit with um, finding good pieces in places. And I always look to Instagram and stuff like that for... Inspiration for that because I am trying to like learn and I am trying to kind of continue to educate myself But I mean having like a weekly place that you could go to which would have incredible designers Education as well as that like that would be good, but I'm telling you what your goals are. Why don't you tell me? Thank you. Why don't you tell me what your goals are? I'm I'm gonna write (laughs) that down
2: Yeah, I think I will uh, Still keep going doing that in different places. because I like Going around and see like n- yeah. discovering new, uh, new places. But yeah, if it could be like twice a month, it would be nice. But it's not my full-time job, so it's quite hard. Yeah. And um, what I would like to do is keep doing market, but still adding something else. So yeah. for the next event, there is a table quiz. Okay. Uh, focused on sustainability, because like we can learn and have like a little bit of fun and a glass of wine. Nice. Which, like no not? phones
4: allowed though. Phones and table no. quizzes are no. dangerous because everybody just cheats. God. so make sure that they put their phones on no, I'd like, be
2: like the yeah, brother
4: do. like look around <laughs> um, so tell us when the next event is and also let us know where people can get involved and where people can see all the details.
2: Yeah uh, the next event would be the 8th of December mm-hmm. so Sunday from half past four to nine. okay? Uh, the first part will be the market yeah uh, there will be like 15 designers, okay? Uh, between half past four and eight, and uh, at eight, the table quiz. Nice, yeah. and it says that there's going to be drinks and
4: food. There's going to be live music. Live music. Live music. Well, yeah. This is just going to be a big party, basically, yes. with sustainable Always. fashion at the core of it. Exactly. Um, it sounds incredible, and at the same time. Uh, the profits from the night are also going to Oxfam, isn't that right? Yeah, Oxfam Island, yep. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, so there is an Eventbrite link and you can get all the information if you go on to it's Designers in the City is your yeah. Instagram. Yeah,
2: on the Instagram page and the and website is designersinthecity.co. Amazing.
4: Sophie Benoit, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for coming Thank in. Thank you so much. Um I love that we're matching as well. Look at this. People who are listening Great. won't know, but, oh, it's, yeah. but we're Grey and black. Grey and black, yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, looking forward to it. I can't wait to see you. I'll see you there. Thank I'm you. Gonna, I'm going to win the table quiz. Will you? Yes, I will. Best of luck, then. <laughs> Best of luck. I didn't feel confident, but yeah, oh. I will. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thanks.
1: So before the break, we were talking about the collection with dons anyway. Um, when it comes to your high-end collection or your collection with dons, when you think of the person that's wearing Helen Steele, who are they?
0: Um, it, it's actually, I think, of all different ages and shapes um, and sizes and people. But um, the goal is, like, um, say, um, Helen Mirren or... And Saoirse Ronan, or um, or uh, Rihanna, or Billy Elliot. I'd love to see Billy Elliot wear some of my stuff. Um, yeah, that that's it's it's are just like uh, there's this, there's so many people that um, I see wearing my stuff. Um, I remember uh, being at a wedding years ago and there was a woman and I think she was like 75 and she was wearing one of my pieces and she just looked so cool. So bohemian and comfortable and um, and, and that was pretty amazing. And then um, a couple of years ago there was a girl who was in Halle school who was wearing um, one of my dresses to her graduation and she looked amazing. Um, and I was really kind of chuffed with that. So all ages, shapes and sizes. One of the things I do get a kick out of is, um, is seeing women in the Middle East wearing my stuff underneath the hijab. They could have like this really bright, colorful uh, print, you know, that's maybe called whispering eye or fallopian tube or something like that. Um, And And that's kind of cool knowing, you know, you might see you know she lifts her arm you might see some of the print and go my god that's one of my pieces that's kind of cool that that's on her yeah because it's she dre- is dressing for herself
1: yeah um, and i think with a lot of your pieces obviously because they're so colorful it's kind of confident women who aren't afraid to express who they are through their clothing yeah yeah,
0: yeah. but I, I do create some some other pieces that are more gentler and more nurturing and um, not as
2: out vibrant, there and yeah. vibrant
0: um, for for the for the woman who does kind of want to feel a little bit more kind of free and uh, comfortable. And the great thing about what I. Everything that I um, produce, I test wear. So all of the clothes I have, like they're great if you're hanging out with your kids or if you're um working, and they're a great uh, desk to dinner dress as well. And they're, most importantly, a great eating and drinking dress. So that's... I
1: think that's key. That's there's, key. There's nothing that when you feel so constricted in something, you're sitting there and you think, if I get the pasta, I'm not going to fit my dress <laughs> yeah. anymore, you know? Yeah. This,
0: is, this is the or, thing. Or when can mm-hmm. I let the belly out? Literally. <laughs> yeah. And you're like
1: trying to like suck it for pictures. And you're trying to like hide yourself. You're like, Ugh. yeah, no, yeah. there's nothing. There's nothing worse than that. So again, it's the comfort playing into everything because it yeah. is obviously,
0: it is key. And, and just being happy in the body that you're in mm-hmm. and feeling great as well and not restricted. And then when it comes to creating a new collection, how long does it usually take from like an idea to seeing it on a rail? Oh, it's just, it's a nightmare. Sometimes creativity can just, sometimes it, it's, it comes and it, it, it bang on time and you work through it and it's perfect. And then the next collection, you're working at something for months and then you go, oh, I this isn't working and you have to scrap it and then start anew um, and it sounds so frivolous but um, like it's it's your bread and butter, it's your name, you know, and all you have in this life is your name and I'm only as good as the last piece of clothing that I produce, the last print that I create. So um, in, in a way a lot kind of rides on it. Um, so it has to be perfect and sometimes the creativity won't do what you want it to do, but um, so it, it it can take it can take a long time. For example, we're working on um, with Duns. We're working on next August's collection already. Um, yeah, and I'm working on autumn winter twenty. Well, I mix autumn, winter and spring, summer. So I'm working on basically 2021 at the moment, starting the Prince. It's crazy
1: that that projection is so far ahead, you know, it's
0: madness. And spring, summer, my mainline collection for spring, summer, uh, which launches in New Zealand, Australia and South Africa, that's in production at the moment for spring, summer 2020, which Sounds far away, but it's like, it's only a couple of months. I
1: know, it's actually so soon. You even start to see like January, February, it starts, the pieces even start to trickle into the shops. The coats go on sale. And all of a sudden, there's a few rails of little tops. There's a few rails of kind of like skirts that you don't wear tights with. You know, you start to see it slowly coming in. Yeah, Yeah, it's madness. And you know, when a collection is about to come out, what's the initial feeling the night before, let's say, it drops, is it nerves? Are you just excited for it to be out there? How are
0: you feeling? Um... Yeah, kind of nervous energy, um, and sometimes you're totally breaking it. And go, you always question yourself anyway. Um, a, a, a lot of the time, I would work by myself, so you're always constantly questioning yourself, or else you're really annoying, Hallie and going, <laughs> "What do you think of this?" Twenty times a day. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of an ongoing process of. Positivity, negativity, yeah.
1: And do you like to have input into
0: the collections as well?
1: Um, Yeah, mm. I mean, I, she
0: always asks me, so it's nice. And you try, you try on a lot of the stuff as well. Yeah,
1: I like doing that, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's important as well, like having that kind of team effort, because mm-hmm. a lot of the time you do need a second opinion, especially from someone you can trust, you know, someone that's stylish and young <laughs> as yeah, well, yeah. you know,
0: it's always key. And but the, Hallie's great with the, my social media. She's
3: I'm really not. She, she is. She's posts so good.
0: The cringiest. Stories. And I get these email, these texts from <laughs> Hallie. going, take that down. That's but I literally, awful.
3: I had to, like, sneak her password and put it on my phone. So if I see a story off, I literally am like, OK, go into her account and delete it. But n- she's copped on, so she's changed her password.
0: So.
1: <laughs> You're like, act camera, we're just going to get rid of this. Yeah, <laughs> Save
0: yeah. any further embarrassment for yeah. you, Mum. <laughs> yeah. no, she's, she's really good. She's great eye, uh, great attention to detail. Um, yeah, she's been an incredible influence on, on my work, definitely and on the shapes I create um, and the colours I use as well. Yeah.
1: And obviously, cause you're in Leaving Cert year, I suppose we better mm-hmm. just quickly ask how the, the year is going so far. I
3: mean, it's going good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's stressful, but
1: it will get there. So. Do you find there's a lot of pressure around the Leaving Cert? Yeah, mm. for sure. It's quite,
3: I don't know. At School has been always quite hard for me cause I have um, a few learning difficulties. So I always found that bit of a struggle. So this year has been a bit of a struggle, but it's
1: getting there. Yeah. And yeah. as your mom, be, your mom being so successful, do you find that you're giving her advice
0: about the leaving search or like, how is your stance on it almost? Um, I, I, in a way I can identify with some of Hallie's struggles because ADHD would have not helped me in mm. school. Um, but I suppose in a way, uh, all I can do is you know, just be there and support her, give her the best um, access to education and grinds and and that kind of thing. But also to let her know that um, when you actually leave school is the time that um, your education can flourish because you get to actually study something that you have picked and you enjoy. Uh, Whereas I think the learning in um, the educational system it's it's so broad, but in some ways it's so linear. It doesn't take into consideration dyspraxia, dyslexia. It um, I know there like there's dare and things like that and race out there, but um it, it doesn't take into consideration that everyone's brain works in a different mm-hmm. way and that because you're not used because your brain doesn't work in the general rota learning, rote learning way, that um, it doesn't mean that you know, that your intellectual intellectual abilities and that your general abilities in life um, are going to be anything different to, you know, your peers who are able to learn in that way. I think, and certainly I left school with a sense of, um, certainly with a sense of shame around, around the learning, definitely. Yeah. Um, because I knew that um, I couldn't retain information the same way as other students could. Um, and once I got into college, my life totally changed, um, and for the better, definitely. I, I I don't think the current educational system is fair. And I think it's an absolute appalling disgrace that the uh, Board of Education, um, in or that the Minister for Education has let. Um, the schools decide whether or not a child is led, is should get a spelling and grammar waiver, whether or not um, they should have extra time, because the people um, deciding on an, a broad test are not people who are educational psychologists. No. They're not properly qualified to the level of an educational psychologist. So in a way, what they're doing is uh, in, in future generations, you are s- stopping a child being able to compete, being able to compete on an even level, but also being able to, um, to contribute to society. Yeah. You know, and that's at, at the end of the day, it, if they're worried about facts and figures, well, you're stopping a child being able to financially contribute to society. Yeah. Um, and that's appalling. And I think we are, Failing our children and uh, future generations, and it's very, very narrow-minded.
1: Yeah, it is, and it's 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 hard to see the same issues rising every single year with the mm. new batch of students who are going into the into the Leaving Cert, you know, curricular system, and they're stressed because maybe they're not at the same level as some of their peers because they're not getting the help that they need to back them yeah. so that mm. they can succeed. You know, yeah. so I think that's very stressful. I think it's also so hard as well to see students having to do a reach of subjects like you were saying that like you might not even be interested in, you know, having mandatory subjects that you won't touch again the minute the Leaving Cert is over and having to study them when, I think when you do hit, you know, like fourth or fifth year, you start to know yourself, your interests, and you start to know what you excel at and what you don't. And when you're forced to do, let's say, maths when maths is so not your thing it's yeah. it's so hard to see you know because i even remember that from when i was in secondary school i was loved languages and that was my niche and i loved kind of creative subjects and i hate i couldn't do maths my father's a maths teacher i couldn't do it with all his help and his growings in the world i was like i'm just not built for it yeah and it's so hard then that you still have to sit those exams and you still have to go through with it even though you know you know in your heart and soul you're not going to be a mathematician when you leave and you don't want anything yeah. to do with it you know yeah. so seeing that kind of thing it's 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 aggravating almost you know that everyone has to go through that because like you were saying the minute you go to college you flourish because you start yeah. doing what you want to do yeah but it's hard that subjects that don't even that you don't even like dictate whether or not you get the points and things like that to do the things you like to do So yeah. it's, um, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a difficult one but why i asked you is we don't have leading search subje- uh, students on this <laughs> show enough so i'm like yeah. how is it going you know yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah yeah and when are the exams june isn't it yeah june um, do you do you think you know what you want to do after? Is it early days? Um, I don't know. I do. I know I want to go to college for those. Yes. I'm not
3: sure. What? Yeah. But I'd love to pursue modeling and everything. That would be
0: amazing.
1: Absolutely, I think yeah. you're destined for it oh, anyway. For sure. for sure. And
0: she was looking at um, new media studies. Um yeah. Yeah. In, IADT, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So That's what I did. I did journalism and new media in UL.
1: So really? Yeah, wow, yeah. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. I always knew I wanted to do it, and then I was like getting scared because I was like, how about if I'm not good at it? And then I was like going back and forth, and I was like, I'm just going to do it because I don't know what else I want to do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it's just a case like that. And lastly, I'm going to ask, what's next for
0: you anyway? What's next for Helen Steele? Um, I go to Australia on Tuesday and um, to promote um, to do a kind of press trip. Uh, I launch, um, my collection in a, s- a chain of stores in, Aust- they've a chain of stores in Australia, New Zealand and South Africa. And, um, actually Natalie B. Coleman is, has got, um, has been taken on by this, uh, store as well. So that's kind of exciting. And, um, I'm in production for spring, summer, um, and then I have a big drop with Dunn Stores um, uh, in January, and um, it's a really interesting collection this time. I'm really, really excited about it. It has loads of the usual kind of color theory prints, uh, this time really kind of edgy, and um, some new key pieces that are really different uh, and yeah, really excited about that. Poor Hallie has the mocks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the leaving cert. Yeah. Fun times
1: ahead. There is fun times ahead, but there is funner times ahead. Yeah, you exactly. Know, once you get out those gates, leaving cert holiday maybe, yeah. you know, like, you Can't know. Wait for that. relax, yeah. Relax, unwind. Yeah. You're yeah. looking at me going, don't bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies, it's absolutely fantastic that you joined Thank me. You. Fantastic Thank things you. are ahead for both of you as always. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll see you on billboards everywhere in a year to come. So thanks yeah. so much, Helen. Alice Thank you. Thank you again.